Good morning. This is Psalm 103. This is the Psalm of David. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows we are formed, how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly host, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Jason. Let's give it up for Jason. That was beautiful. <clears throat> Good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? It's a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord together. My name is Drew, and I'm one of the embedded church planters here at Park Hill. And I also have the honor of leading and serving alongside our worship community here. Um, this morning, we're continuing in our series called Teach Us to Pray out of the Psalms. And we've also been going through the Psalms in this journey, praying the Psalms for 60 days. If you've not been joining us in that, I encourage you to do so. It's not too late. I promise that it will be an encouragement to your soul as it has been to my family in this past two weeks. Uh, you can find the schedule for that on our website as well as our Instagram, and it's fantastic. Uh, but today we're talking about gratitude Gratitude and why we should choose to be thankful when life seems to give us so many reasons to choose worry or frustration or sadness or so many other emotions. Looking at the news for just a few moments can stir up so many feelings within us, yet gratitude is hardly ever one of them, right? So how do we choose gratitude? As we look at Psalm 103 together, 
we'll see that true thankfulness has everything to do with who we're thanking and why we thank him. Our culture does celebrate the healing power of gratitude and positivity. They do this pretty well. Um, they, They understand that there's something to it. Gratitude, meditation, and mindfulness techniques, um, these are good things. They actually have healing benefits, and science confirms that. Neurologically, the benefits of positivity versus negativity are actually quite astounding. Saying thank you is good for us. It feels right. It does something within us. This is not new for us, though, as followers of the way of Christ, Because gratitude is historically a biblical practice. That's why as we go through the Psalms, a majority of them are lament and praise. They're not either or, they're both and. So that means that in this human experience, we can be sad at times, we can be angry, we can feel broken and confused, but we have hope in a God who always keeps his promises. Amen? But how can we be grateful when we lose someone we love? Or how can we be grateful when we fall into sin and it costs us everything? Or how can we be grateful when someone is trying to take our life? David actually leads the way in this. See, often we think of David as the shepherd boy who is tending to his father's sheep or the the boy who slayed Goliath. We think of the king or the, the psalmist extraordinaire But we don't often think of him as the man who had King Saul chasing him, trying to kill him, or the man whose son stole the throne and city from him. Maybe we don't think about the guy who actually took Uriah's wife and then had him killed, or even the guy who prayed and fasted, pleading for the life of his sick child, only to have his child pass. This is the guy, this is the David who wrote this psalm that we're in today talking about gratitude. He understood the vast array of human emotion and still knew that the best thing for his entire being was to praise the name of Yahweh. There's something healthy and beneficial for him and we glean the benefits of it as we follow the way of Jesus and the way of David in this psalm. So let's look again at Psalm 103 if you have your Bibles. It's a psalm of David. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Right out of the gate, one of the most interesting things to me about this psalm is that we have a front row seat into David's conversation with his own soul. How many times does that happen, right? That we actually get to see people conversing with themselves and leading themselves in the way of gratitude. But these are the bookends of this psalm. This is how David begins and ends the psalm is by addressing his own soul. But what does that mean for us practically? Practically, this shows us how we can address our souls in seasons where we're struggling to find joy. Because the reality is that we need to be reminded to walk in gratitude, even when we're not feeling it. Do you resonate with that? Sometimes we're just not feeling it, right? We don't feel like smiling, we don't feel like being thankful. Sometimes we don't feel like faking it or showing some kind of disingenuous joy or something, but sometimes we do feel like smiling. Sometimes we do feel like being thankful, and it's completely genuine. That's normal too. 
It's difficult in a season where most of your face is covered. I think I have all kinds of new wrinkles from just trying to smile really hard with my eyebrows. Like, I'm happy, I swear. But guys, listen, we are headed into a season that's going to begin to feel more normal coming out of this pandemic. And as we do, we remember that life is not all bad. It's actually really good. There are things that I believe we took for granted before this happened that we won't again. One of those things being the benefit of human interaction, the benefit of seeing smiles on faces, feeling compassion and empathy through the way that people engage with one another. This is the body of Christ. We're here embodied with one another in a building. How amazing is that? We didn't think that was going to happen last year. It didn't happen most of last year, and here we are today. That's worth celebrating, amen? Come on, yeah. Let's not miss this opportunity to show gratitude for this amazing thing. In the second line of verse 1, David, he tells himself to praise and what it should look like. He says, all my inmost being, or with everything within me. David is reminding his soul to praise with all of his strength. We actually get a glimpse of what that looked like in his life in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We see this picture of David's wife looking at him through a window, judging the way that he is undignified before the Lord. He's going in with the Ark of the Covenant in the, in the streets, and he's dancing with all of his might. He's praising with everything within him. And it warranted judgment from those around him, including his wife. But this encourages me so much because I, I, I'm not naturally inclined to audibly cry out in gratitude. For some reason, it's a natural response when we're hurt. You hurt yourself and you want to yell all kinds of words that are not good around children. I've learned that in my household. But it's not always our natural inclination to shout for joy when we see God show up in a real way. I actually love in worship services like we just had here today when we take time to audibly praise God by thanking him for specific ways that he showed up in our lives and throughout history. I want to encourage you in your personal life of worship Maybe you're driving in the car on your way to work. You have moments alone, and especially as we are here together as the people of God, to take these opportunities to vocalize our gratitude to the Lord. It's so healthy for our souls. Even if it doesn't feel natural, when we press in, we press through that, the benefits are so beautiful. So he continues in verse 2, again this pattern, praise the Lord my soul, and this is key, forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. This verse impacts me, because I think if we're being honest, we're all prone to some kind of spiritual amnesia. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, God shows up, we see the miraculous hand of our Father working, He comes through, yet the next time we need him, we're inclined towards doubt instead of faith. We are so forgetful. My wife and I, this past week, we were watching the movie 50 First Dates. Have you guys ever seen that? I felt really old because it's nearly 20 years old. I don't know how that happened. Time has just lapsed, and it's insane. But 
In this movie, if you haven't seen it, or if you have, just to be refreshed, the girl, the main character, Drew Barrymore, she has short-term memory loss. She had an accident, and so she can't remember one day to the next, including all the new people she meets, and even falling in love with the other main character, Adam Sandler. And by the end of the movie, in order to move on in life, she's given this video by her husband that she watches every morning to remind her of who she is and who the people around her are, what her life is like. So every morning she goes through this emotional roller coaster as she's reminded of who she is. Sadly, I feel like I resonate with that story on a very deep spiritual level as I realize how prone I am to forgetfulness. But God has, in a sense, given us this video to watch on a daily basis, and it is his word. It is the scripture. It is interacting with him. He's made a way for us to communicate with him on a daily basis because he loves us enough to remind us of how good he is and how great his love is for us as his children. But it's our daily opportunity and responsibility to be reminded in this way as we make time to meet with him. He's made a way for us to do so. Now it's our obligation spiritually and the best way ever to invest into that time if we want the benefit of knowing who he is and who we are in him. It's so beautiful. But this pattern of forgetfulness is not a new thing either. The children of Israel watched Yahweh, the God of all creation, part the sea for their deliverance from Egypt. They saw him make water sweet from being bitter so that they could drink and have their lives sustained. He provided manna for them. He brought water from a rock when they were thirsty and so much more, yet they still doubted. They still complained. But before I'm too difficult on them, I acknowledge that I am the exact same way. I do the same thing. My wife, Laura, and I, we have seen God move in miraculous ways in our family countless times. I could use the remainder of our time just sharing brief stories about each of our children and the ways that he's worked miracles, but I'll just share one story with you. My oldest daughter, Harper, when she was just beginning to really eat food, she was not able to hold much of it down. She was just sick all the time. She was losing weight rapidly And the doctors were running all kinds of tests, and they used this term, failure to thrive. And that's so terrifying as a parent. You're like, what are we doing wrong? What what needs to happen for this to be fixed? You just feel helpless. And so we did the only thing that we knew how, and that was bringing her to the house of the Lord for a, a worship service called House of Prayer at our church. And near the end of the gathering... There was a group of people around our daughter praying prayers of faith for her healing. We were so moved by it. And we just, we, we gave the prayers all the faith that we had. And the very next morning, Harper woke up and she ate her food and she held it down and immediately, instantaneously became the least picky child of all of ours eating all kinds of food, 
super healthy, and it was a complete miracle. Is that amazing? Yeah. God is so good. But if I don't remind my soul to be grateful, I forget. Even monumental moments like that, I forget. I'm also aware, I feel like it's worth bringing attention to the reality that not every story ends that way. Sometimes we pray for a miracle and the outcome is not what we prayed for. But this is why a biblical understanding of hope is so imperative. That what we know of God and our future with him carries us through every season right now, even if things aren't going as we desire or have planned. We must continue convincing our souls because we're naturally forgetful. When it comes to the goodness of God, we, we are prone to forgetfulness. I can watch him move in these great ways, and then the next time I'm struggling, in my nature, I'm inclined towards doubt instead of trust or fear instead of faith. This is why forget not is so key to our pursuit of godly gratitude. Remembrance is it's like an art form. It takes a lot of work, but it's always worth it. For me, remembrance, it happens by talking to people who will point me back to the way of Jesus. Being around the people of God, meditating on scripture, listening to worship music. These are just some practical ways that I remind my soul of who God is when I'm feeling forgetful. Let's continue on reading in verse 3. Again, this is who David knew Yahweh to be. Verse 3, it says, He is the one who forgives all our sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. I love that David makes this section personal. He recites some of the ways that he's experienced the kindness of God. He knew God to be the, the one who forgave his sins when he repented. And this is true of us as well. When we admit our need for forgiveness, we experience God as the one who forgives our sins and invites us into his family. David knew God as healer. And we experience that. Like I just shared a story. We experience that in part now but fully after death when we are healed fully in the presence of God. He gives this language about being taken from the pit. He's probably speaking of times when his life was in danger or when he was physically ill and God sustained him. He talks about the crown given. And the crown that he's speaking of is one of God's own self-identity. The crown that he offers to us. Listen, the, the prestige of the kingdom, the status of the kingdom, is not found in dominating people for selfish gain. It's actually the opposite. Love for God and one another should be the distinguishing factor of the people of God. This is the crown that he offers to us. Relationship with him and one another. Verse 4 is also the first time in this psalm that David references Exodus chapter 4. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So beautiful what happens here. And then in verse 5, David knew God to be the one who satisfies desires with good and right things. 
See, the Lord knows what we need even more than we know what we want. He knows what we need. He satisfies our desires with the right kinds of things. And then he gives us this picture at the end of verse 5 of our youth being renewed like eagles. This is like Isaiah 40, 31 language. You've heard this verse, as we wait upon the Lord, that we have renewed strength, that we mount up with wings like eagles. The idea here is that we won't grow weary as we wait upon the Lord, that we will have the, the strength that is only possible through trusting and abiding relationship with God. Verse 6 He says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Now, this one verse alone deserves an entire teaching, really. The words righteousness and justice are paired like this loads of times throughout the Bible. And to be honest, I was completely unaware of it until I started learning from Dr. Gary Brashears. And he just like blew my mind with all these connections with righteousness and justice. And I'm sad that it took so many years of missing out on this theme that is so near and dear to the heart of God. You may read verses like this and think, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Like, where is God in all of the unrighteousness in the world? Where is he in all of the injustice? And I believe that this is where the church is supposed to be the example of righteousness and justice. But the problem is that if we're not careful, we allow ourselves to be influenced by culture instead of what God says about this stuff. And he says a lot about this stuff. You know, in America, we grow up reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. And in that way, righteousness has been replaced by liberty. We don't recite righteousness and justice for all. We say liberty and justice for all. But the reality is that righteousness must be at the forefront in order for us to experience true justice and liberty because righteousness includes disadvantaging ourselves for the sake of community. We see this throughout the Old Testament and the New. In fact, the first century church, it thrived in this way of self-sacrificial love for the sake of community always. But aside from the way of Jesus... We're not really taught how to live and to love self-sacrificially anywhere else in culture. Jesus is the way. He leads in this. Our sense of American freedom, it doesn't really line up with the biblical definition of freedom. While we tend to think of liberty in terms of being free from governing authorities, but biblical liberty means free from sin for loving relationship with God and others. True righteousness and justice include liberty for the oppressed. This is why Jesus opens the Isaiah scroll in Luke chapter 4 and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, justice is not something culture should be shaping because it's something that the Bible has defined ages ago. Many of the world's versions of social justice today are very unbiblical. But the Bible's version of justice is always social because God loves people. And he's proven it time and time again. Some would say 
that we should be silent on issues like racism, for instance, because the Bible doesn't talk about those things. And this is simply not true. There are many instances where God went out of his way to help the oppressed. And another reason, this is a reason that he is worthy of our gratitude as we're on this topic, because he's this kind of God, the one who seeks those who are hurting. One of the first times that God shows up to somebody in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 16. He appears to a woman named Hagar. Hagar was a slave acquired by Abram and Sarai, most likely in Egypt. She was a slave. She was sexually abused. She was taken advantage of. She was beaten. So she left. She fled to this spring in the wilderness. And the Lord appeared to her. He went out of his way to appear to this hurting, lonely woman who didn't know where else to go. And when he did that, she ascribed a name to him. The name that she called him was the God who sees. This is a name that we call him today. We, we say, you're the God who sees the brokenhearted. You're the God who sees my heart. We're echoing the name that was given by this slave woman that God appeared to. It was a reaction to the goodness of God that she calls this name that we're still echoing today. That's so moving to me. We fast forward to John chapter 4, where Jesus visited a well in Samaria, and he interacted, he, he spoke to, he offered hope to a woman there. She was a Samaritan woman, mixed race, despised by the Jews. She was a woman, so she, she was a lower class according to culture there. And she also had been taken advantage of, abandoned by several men. There were a plethora of reasons guys, that Jesus should not have spoken to that woman that day, according to culture. But he did not only just speak to her, he offered her living water, and he revealed himself to her as Messiah. I believe that Jesus stepped into this race issue to show God's heart on the topic of racism and marginalized people. He didn't run from it. He ran to those who are hurting. And those are just two examples. But it's all throughout Scripture. God shows up to the hurting and to the broken. I believe that God showed up throughout history in ways that he expects and desires us to do right here, right now. Because the same spirit that led Jesus to the well in Samaria lives within us. And if we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, then we should be driven to, to love and to listen to those who are hurting. The people of God should be the ones setting the pace for justice as we reveal God's heart towards oppressed people, really towards all people. So what does this have to do with gratitude? Maybe you are a racial or sexual minority and you've experienced pain throughout your life, my prayer is that right now your heart is inclined towards gratitude at the, re the realization of God's heart towards you. That's what David is saying here. God's heart is to bring true liberty and peace to those who are oppressed. Actually, the kingdom of God, even as John has this vision and revelation, the kingdom of God looks like redeemed people from all tribes, tongues, and nations gathered around his throne agreeing in worship together. 
His table is actually the most diverse one that we'll ever know. This is the beauty of the meal of the Lord. All are invited to admit their need for God's forgiveness and healing, and all who do that will be at the table to feast. David continues in verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sin deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. This is one of my favorite parts of the psalm. I love what David does here. He actually goes back to Exodus 34, as I mentioned before. And this was a time where God spoke about himself to Moses. In that passage, Exodus 34, it is actually the most quoted passage from the Bible in the Bible. And I believe the reason why is because it's one of the times that God reveals what he most wants us to know about himself. It's so beautiful. And it's great that David uses God's own words about God to remind himself of who he is. I'm so grateful that we don't have to guess about who God is, we could actually take his word for it. And this helps us even identify false things that we hear about God from culture today. It's very important that we know who he is from what he said about himself and who he's revealed himself to be throughout scripture. Because if we don't know him from that, I promise that we'll be tempted to accept a counterfeit version of him. And it will never come close to who he actually is. And he continues in verse 13. So beautiful. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now, this picture of God as our father is one of my favorite relational pictures in the Bible. Mainly this is because I have personally learned more about God as a father, through being a father to my own children. I've learned more in that way than I have in any other context of learning about him as father. He's revealed so much about his character to me as I've interacted with my own children. And I realize not everyone has had parents who have shown them the love of Jesus in this way. I even presume that that many of you in this room have not had that kind of experience. And I'm so sorry. Maybe hearing about God as Father doesn't mean so much to you because of your relationship or lack of with your own parents. But this is what this psalm is about. The fatherhood of God. This psalm is actually where Jesus is acknowledgement of God as father in his prayer, our father, it came from. He gleaned from this passage as he gave us this model of prayer. And it's important for us to understand that God being our father is not an abstract thought. It's actually the reality that we've been adopted into as a forever family of God. 
I love what Psalm 68, David said about God as our father. He said, sing to God, sing in praise of his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him. His name is Yahweh, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets lonely in families. He sets the lonely in families. So listen, to the fatherless today, I pray that that you find joy in this truth, that you have a father who is absolutely wild about you. His love for you exceeds any love you could ever experience from any other human being. You carry a piece of his DNA that nobody else has. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that you are his poem. You're his poem. When he looks at you, he sees his breathtaking piece of art. And he's given you a family. Look around this room. It's full of people that love you, that care about you, that will be committed to you. You belong here. You are so valued. We've all been adopted into this. I want to use this also as an opportunity to echo what Ariel was talking about. We actually have a precious opportunity at Park Hill to serve foster kids through Royal Family Kids. This is a practical way that we can serve the fatherless and show them the heart of our father. Such an amazing opportunity. We get to share the same experience that we've had being adopted into this beautiful family. In verse 14, David says, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like uh, grass. They, They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows it over and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. In these verses, David exposes a contrast from an eternal perspective. Simultaneously, he shares about the fragility of life. It's here and then it's gone, but also the steadfastness of God's love. He paints this beautiful picture of understanding hope. To understand this this balance between life and death, we must understand that it's managed in the hearts of those who follow Christ by the way that we hope for the future while we're still living in this tension of the now and not yet. We're living in this balance where we're experiencing the fragility of life, but we're also living out the kingdom. And we have this hope that we're looking forward to, this eternity with him. As the kingdom of God fully merges with this earth. Such a beautiful transition taking place. Wrapping up this psalm, David goes into this cool charge for all angels and people together to agree in the praise of our God. In verse 19. He says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven 
and his kingdom rules over all. This is actually where Jesus got the Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come from his prayer. It's beautiful, again, the way that the Psalms shaped the prayer life of Jesus. Oh, that we would follow in that pattern of letting them shape ours as well. I hope that that's happening in these 60 days for you. In verse 20, he says, Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. And then he seals this psalm the way that he opened it. Praise the Lord, my soul. You know, preparing for this teaching has actually been really life-giving for me personally. I'm ashamed to say that I have not chosen gratitude nearly enough throughout my life. There have been many times that I've chosen to focus on negativity in my life instead of praising God for the ways that he's shown his faithfulness. So last night I was on my way home from a wedding and I had a two hour drive all my, by myself. And, and normally I would take the opportunity to listen to podcasts or a book or some music. And I just felt this prompting so heavy on my heart to just begin to verbalize my gratitude to the Lord. Oh my goodness, it lasted the entire two hour drive home. As I prayed for people by name, and guys, something so special happened. As I practiced gratitude, the Spirit of God began to breathe life into things that I thought were dead. And the way that that happened was that there were some specific people that I had been hurt by. And as I thanked God for who they are, I realized that even the negative things that happened cannot undo the things that I'm grateful for. I realized how much I love these people, how instrumental they've been in my life. And I, I had nothing but praise to give God for who these individuals are. I began to pray for my beautiful wife and for each of our kids by name. And as I did, I, I felt like my heart could leap out of my chest. It was so life-giving. And I realized that it's something that has been absent from my life on a regular basis. And being in the habit of perpetual praise and gratitude is so healthy for our soul. The key is, though, that we understand when we say thank you, the you in thank you. It's so important that we understand the one that we're praising. This is why David says, Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise Yahweh. We're going to bless him by name. Because we need to understand the one who gives every good and perfect gift. The Father of lights. That's who he is. That's who he's always been. It's who he'll always be. So when we feel like we're stuck in this pattern of forgetfulness, when we feel like we're not willing to give praise, most of the time it's because we've forgotten the you and thank you. Most of the time it's because we've adopted some counterfeit that we think deserves our gratitude 
but it only belongs fully, wholly, completely to our God. And we, as we make our way to the table now, as we spend a song talking about our Father, how we're running to the arms of our Father, I want to challenge you to spend this time to choose gratitude. Maybe you've had a difficult week. Maybe you're like, Drew, you have no idea the things that have gone on. I'm very confident that there are reasons that you should not choose gratitude today. But we have much bigger reasons to choose to be grateful. One of them has everything to do with the table that we're about to approach. Has everything to do with the fact that we were far and God brought us near. That we were lost and we've been found in Christ. That we were wayward and our Father has placed a robe on our back and a ring on our finger. That Christ made a way. That Jesus gave his broken body and poured out blood so that we could be unified as family when we lacked a sense of belonging. We're grateful today because we belong in this family. We have so much to be grateful for. Do you believe that today, church? Yeah. Yeah, as Evan and Sandy make their way up, we're going to just pray this in. Spirit, come. God, would you incline our hearts towards gratitude? Father, I ask that it would be the most natural thing in the world for us right now to lay everything down at your feet, all the hurt, the pain, all the doubts, the fears, the anxieties, the anger, the frustration, the bitterness, the confusion, to lay it down at your feet now because you're trustworthy. Father, we don't have a context for this kind of love aside from who you are and what you've done for us. So we run to your arms right now with hearts filled with joy. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I ask even now, those who lack joy, would you impart joy? In a miraculous way, in a stunning and beautiful way, would you meet the brokenhearted right now and bring healing that leads to joy? Yeah, I think of Jesus, your, your interactions with those who were healed and how they could not keep silent. The gratitude just flowed from them so naturally. Lord, I pray that this would be our story today. That as we've been healed in your presence, that it would lead to gratitude overflowing from our hearts. So take this time. It belongs to you. In Jesus' name we pray.